You are listening to the Happier at Work podcast, and I'm your host, Aoife O'Brien. This is the podcast for HR and business leaders. We talk about things like leadership, well-being at work, diversity and inclusion, and the future of work. A few weeks ago, I posted a poll on LinkedIn asking people what they wanted to learn more about from these solo episodes of the podcast. And two of the ones that stood out really were all about boundaries, which I covered in the last solo episode. If you haven't listened to that, definitely check that out. And the other was about flexible and remote working, which I'm sure you can agree is a really hot topic at the moment. So I'm really excited to share today's episode with you. And I've done a little bit of research. I've asked around, like, what do people want to know more about? I'm going to set out by saying that there is no one size fits all approach to this. And oftentimes the perception is that we can just take a framework and apply it to our own organisations. That is not how this is going to work. The way I have set out the podcast episode today is I'm going to be talking about like what are companies doing? What am I seeing out there in the marketplace? I'm going to share what I'm seeing currently. I'm going to talk about the upsides as well as the downsides to remote working. I'm going to talk about some key areas for consideration when it comes to setting out guidelines in this remote, flexible, hybrid working environment. I'm also going to cover some of the pitfalls that we need to watch out for going forward and pose some of the challenging questions as well associated with this new way of working. It's new, you know, it's even for the companies that have been doing remote, we're in a kind of a different environment now at the moment. So kicking things off, what I can see, and there is McKinsey study to back this up as well, is that most companies haven't really thought about the future of work strategically, especially when it comes to remote and hybrid working. They haven't really given it that. They know that it's important, but they haven't allowed it enough time to really get into the the strategy behind what they're going to be doing. Most of the companies that I work with are looking to see what other companies are doing. So they're they're kind of it's almost like the blind leading the blind. So they're looking to see what other organizations are doing and other organizations are looking to see what they're doing. And neither of them have it really figured out yet. And as I mentioned at the start, there is no one size fits all. You can't just take a framework and apply it to your situation. There are some considerations which I will cover at the end of this podcast, but definitely, you know, trying to look to see what other companies are doing is maybe not the best approach. It's about listening internally to what it is that that is going to work for your own organization. The other thing I'm seeing out there is with a lot of companies that they're demanding that people come back to work, that they're demanding people come back to the office. And one of the key drivers of this demand is that leaders want to see people working. It's not enough that they have increased their productivity, that they were well able to manage clients in this remote environment during the pandemic, which is ongoing, I must add. And they are demanding that that work is returned to the office so that they can be seen to be working so that there is that sense of oversight on them. And, you know, this causes a huge level of frustration for people if they don't want to return to the office. And it it has and it does continue to result in resignations. It's a candidate's market at the moment. So if you don't treat your people right, then they're they're very likely going to leave. 
On a more positive note, one of the really great things I'm seeing out there at the moment is companies who are actually asking employees what they see as the future. You know, how many days do they see themselves working remotely, working from home? What does that look like? And actually getting that involvement from the employees. Now, I'm seeing both this in positive scenarios and also in some negative scenarios where employees are being asked to contribute, but they're not actually being listened to. So if you're asking employees what it is that they want, it's really, really important that you need to listen to what they actually say. Those organisations who are taking on board what the employees are saying, I think they recognise that this is an agile environment, that this is subject to change, that this is a new way of working, especially if it's something that you've never done before, that you're trying it out. You need to try it, see what works and iterate and change it and be agile about what you do going forward. If you need some support in terms of what to ask your employees when it comes to the future of work, when it comes to remote and hybrid, absolutely feel free to reach out to me. I'd be delighted to help you in that scenario. If you're worried about asking employees about things that maybe you ultimately can't deliver at the end of the day, then just be open about that. I think uh, one of the key things to come from a survey that I carried out earlier this year all around employee well-being was this idea that oftentimes the temptation is, especially during the pandemic, is to paint a rosy picture of everything that's going on and being really positive about everything. And that can create this sense of toxic positivity where you're not actually talking about any of the negative things that are going on for people. And it, then it, it becomes not OK to not be OK. And really, it's it's being able to communicate in that scenario with the warts and all situation. You know, this is what's going on, being really clear, transparent and authentic in the communication that you're delivering to your employees. So I'm going to talk now about the upsides. So there are several upsides and it's interesting because after I put out that poll on LinkedIn, I followed up with some people to get some specific questions that they wanted answered. So I'm covering a lot of those questions in my in my podcast today. But one interesting piece of research came back from Gillian Fagan and that was about the the two sides, you know, the debate as to whether it's it's positive or negative from a diversity, equity and inclusion perspective. So I will kind of touch on on some of that. But the the questions are really, really important to be posed and really thinking about what the first of all, what the upsides are to flexible working. So it's not all just rosy. There are some upsides and there are some downsides. So I'm going to touch on those. The first upside, I think it's probably quite obvious, is this idea of having a greater sense of flexibility and autonomy in the work that you do. So from an employee perspective, feeling a greater sense of autonomy, that means you have a sense of choice or control, which is one of our basic psychological needs. And it's really important to have that satisfied. So if you get to choose which days you work at home and which days you work in in the office, you know, it, it fires up your, your motivation and your satisfaction at work and it drives engagement as well. From a, an employer perspective, then employees are more engaged when they have a greater sense of autonomy. Employers can also use it as a competitive advantage. So if you're offering flexible working, if you're offering remote working, then you can attract larger talent pools and you can attract 
better talent pools because the best workers are going to be one, those ones who have that greater sense of autonomy, who have that, who get that feeling, who have that offer from your organisation. Whether they take it up or not is a different story. From a diversity, equity and inclusion perspective, then I have had multiple conversations with disabled people saying that the pandemic has been a blessing and being able to work remotely, being able to present remotely has meant a completely different perspective for them when it comes to applying for jobs, being able to do it online, being able to do it over Zoom. When it comes to not having to take public transport, which is not maybe it's less equipped for them to actually travel to the work or it takes longer. But being able to work from home makes a huge, huge difference from another employee perspective, thinking about not having that commute. So you have that extra time in the day that you can, you know, I think during the pandemic, it's fair to say a lot of people put that time back into doing work and they had that additional time in their day. But taking back that time, you know, whether you're spending an hour or a couple of hours every day in that commute, can you use that time for something else instead? There's likely to be less traffic on the roads if we're offering this as a solution. So it's a win for everyone from a pollution perspective, from a, you know, road rage or just being stuck in traffic and and all of that sense of stress that that creates as well. So there's loads of upsides that are related to having a more flexible and remote working hybrid approach. There are some downsides as well, as I mentioned. And so the first one really is that not all jobs can be done remotely and that can create this sense of resentment in an organisation where some people get to work from home and other people can't work from home. And trying to find the balance between those and and trying to reduce the sense of resentment between people, typically people who work in offices or people who are knowledge workers or information workers, versus people who work uh, maybe in manufacturing, for example. Another th- thing on the downsides from a DE&I perspective, so diversity, equity and inclusion, is thinking about personalities and maybe remote working suits some personalities better than it suits others. And maybe it doesn't suit some types of personalities. And I know certainly I've seen a lot of stuff around introverts versus extroverts and extroverts maybe not necessarily liking this remote working environment much preferring to be in the office and being around other people. It can impact then on other socioeconomic factors. So people who don't earn as much money and maybe can't afford to have the luxuries of working from home or having a separate office and things like age as well. So if you're a younger worker, you are more likely to be renting. You're more likely to be uh, in a shared accommodation situation. And it's maybe more difficult then for you to be working remotely. There's that missing connection piece. So that the human factor, the human interaction that we've all been missing in these last 18, 18 to 20 months or so. And that, you know, that that sense of actually just being around other humans. And I know from a personal perspective, having started meeting up with people for coffees and things like that recently, it's been such a pleasure to actually meet people in person. and, And nothing really beats that, I think. Um, And that piece is the missing piece then when people are working remotely and how to build that connection, especially. And I've been hearing this a lot, especially for people who are new into an organisation and building those connections from the very start without actually meeting people in person can be very, very difficult. There's also the additional costs associated with it. So, you know, it's balancing up if if organisations don't 
require as much office space? Can they reduce the amount of office footprint that they need versus the cost to actually establish people with good working situations at home? So whether that's desks and um, additional monitors and proper ergonomic furniture and and things like that. So balancing balancing out the costs and, and having a think about that. Another one of the downsides could be the lack of innovation. So this is something that's come up again and again, and I have discussed it before on the podcast. The idea for those incidental conversations that you have, you know, people call it the water cooler chat. You just happen to mention something in passing and it sparks an idea or it sparks a connection between, you know, I need to introduce this one person to another person or something like that. And that's that's a real missing piece. And and certainly I have spoken about it with them one of my previous podcast episodes all about the four day week. And what we spoke about was it's not about trying to recreate those water cooler moments. It's about trying to recreate the outcomes associated with that. So if it's more innovation that you're looking for, then maybe brainstorm as a team. How can we be more innovative? How can we how can we create an environment? And for me personally, I get inspiration from lots of different places. It's from reading. It's from listening to podcasts. My my brain just kind of fires away and I take notes in my phone. Um, I don't have a team at the moment to necessarily share this stuff with. But maybe finding ways to share that inspiration among the team to spark innovation, to spark creativity. Moving on now to talk about some of the guidelines to keep in mind when it comes to remote or hybrid working. And the first one, and I've spoken about this multiple times on the podcast, is to focus on outcomes. So what are the outcomes that you are trying to achieve? And I think typically we still, and I still have this myself for my corporate days, we perceive that work is nine to five. It's We don't focus on what it is that we're trying to achieve. We're very time focused and I need to work from nine till five. And I may have said this on the podcast before, but it's it's certainly something that it's it's so resonant for me anyway, where someone, a client mentioned to me that they uh, they wanted to finish early or they had uh, they had worked two additional hours, for example, on a Wednesday. And so then then that made it OK to finish two hours early on a Friday. And I suppose for me, it's moving away from that perception of it's about the time that you put in and focusing more on what is it that you're trying to achieve here. I mean, like as a slight aside on that. Uh, and, and I have spoken about this on the podcast before. Again, it's about the managing your energy and, and what time of day or what day of week do you give your best work specific to what it is that you're trying to achieve? So are client meetings more effective on certain days or at certain times? Are you your best in the morning? And is that when you should make sales calls? Things like that. Or should you do admin on a Friday, for example, when it's it's the end of a long week and you're feeling a little bit uh, low and it's kind of a low energy task. It doesn't require a huge amount of brain power to do that type of admin. Although having said that, maybe for some people that is a little bit of a struggle. So bringing it back to outcomes. So thinking as an organisation, what is it that we are trying to achieve here? Why do we exist? What is our purpose? And you can break that down then by department, by team. What is it that we are here for? What are we trying to achieve? And then break it down even further. What needs to be achieved this quarter? What needs to be achieved this month? What needs to be achieved this week? And really focus on the outcomes and the step by step and breaking it down into the individual steps 
that need to happen and making sure that those are delivered on rather than focusing on, well, I, I gave X amount of hours into this and therefore it should be finished. It's, it's not about that. It's about bringing a more flexible approach to work and focusing on the outcomes that need to be achieved through the work that you do. Listeners often get in touch with me to let me know what has resonated with them when they listen to the podcast, some of the practical actions that they have taken as a result of listening. And to me, that really, really means the world because it shows that the work I'm doing is having an impact. But they also wonder how can they actually work with me on a deeper level? And that's why I wanted to share with you today. And I don't often do this. I don't often talk about the work that I do, but I'm launching a new program called Imposter to Empowered. And I would love to tell you more about it. You can go over to the website impostersyndrome.ie if you want to find out more about what imposter syndrome actually is and the steps that you can take and find out more details about the program. Imposter syndrome is that voice in your head that tells you you're not good enough, that it really holds you back from putting yourself forward from opportunities, that people will judge you and think that you're a total fraud, that you have no idea what you're talking about. But also you think that other people think that you are better than you actually are and that you somehow have pulled the wool over their eyes all this time. It can happen when things like we start a new job, we get promoted to a managerial position, we start out in our careers, or we've reached a level that we think we should feel a little bit differently. We feel like we should have it all sussed out now at this time. But that's not always the case. And this nagging feeling is still there. So with this program, it's a six week online program with interactive group coaching sessions. With this program, the aim is to identify what your imposter is saying and take some really practical steps towards managing and overcoming your inner imposter. If you want to know more, like I said, head to the website impostersyndrome.ie or feel free to reach out directly to me on LinkedIn, Aoife O'Brien. And I look forward to working with you on a deeper level to manage and overcome your inner imposter. Another area for consideration is this idea of collaboration and how do we collaborate in a remote environment? And that could be something as simple as bringing people together when it's necessary. So bringing people into the office together for for a meeting, for example. And I know previously on the podcast, we spoke about doing your best work you know, when when you're required to do the work alone, then that's the optimum time to be doing that work remotely, to be doing that work from home. When team effort is required, then bring people together. But bringing people together for social locations into the office as well, I think is really important to build that sense of connection, to build that sense of collaboration and to get to know people on a more personal level, not just business. So facilitating that collaboration using various different tools, whether that is Slack, whether it's Zoom, sharing documents through Google or Microsoft and being able to work together and keeping track of of where people are at. The other thing to bear in mind is I think that we're so used to getting immediate answers and, and having immediate access to people, whether that's through instant message, whether it's expecting an immediate response from an email or a WhatsApp or something like that. But I think we need to 
shift our thinking towards asynchronous communication. And I always have difficulty. Am I like, am I saying that word correctly? Um, but I, I think I, I think I did okay this time around. Um, it is a difficult one to pronounce. So asynchronous communication being communication that doesn't happen in real time. So it could be something like you have, you come in in the morning and you have updates from the team and there could be several updates that you've missed because you haven't necessarily seen it at the time that they were updated. Um, but getting used to that, not having immediate answers, but but having expectations around that. So when is an answer actually required? Is it required within 24 hours? Where is the bottleneck happening is, is there a bottleneck at all? Do we need a, an answer sooner than that? And, you know, understanding where, and I suppose I'm thinking more from a project management perspective, if you're waiting for an answer, if you're waiting for a reply from someone, is that something that's holding up you getting your work done and you being able to, to complete your work? And really having an understanding of when you expect a response by and, and managing those expectations and having that communication in real time as well. The other thing can be around recognition. So actually giving people recognition. And oftentimes if we're, for example, if we're not in the office or this is this is one of the challenges that was posed, I suppose, when we first started talking about this hybrid model is checking whether or not you are in the office at the same time as one of the senior leaders, for example. So if you are on a different schedule and you're never there at the same time, then that can pose a real challenge. And you may feel like you're not getting that sense of visibility from a particular individual that you feel you need to get visibility from in order to be promoted, in order to feel like you're being recognised for the work that you're doing. And one way to combat that is for leaders to proactively reach out to people who are not in the office at the same time as them or who are working remotely all of the time to have that face time with them, to have that conversation and to make them feel a little bit more included. So there's a couple of different sides from that. I also want to highlight the fact that this can sometimes drive presenteeism as well. So if we're moving to a more flexible approach, and this is something that really stood out to me. I recently listened to Alex Sujong Kim's book called Shorter. And one of the key things for me to come out of that was he's talking about shorter working hours versus a flexible working approach uh, with with a favour to shorter working hours, shorter working hours being five or six hours per day for five days a week or having a four day week. And what he said was when we offer a flexible working approach, the impact that that has is that not necessarily everyone takes advantage of it. And there are studies to back that up. So not everyone is going to take advantage, but the ones who really need to have that flexible working are perceived to be not as committed to the role. And so I think you know, it's it's a, it's a slight aside talking about shorter working hours versus flexible working, but it is something to bear in mind when it comes to this idea of presenteeism and people who are in the office are being favoured because they're not taking advantage of that flexible working approach. So something to, to bear in mind for sure and how to make sure that everyone feels included in that scenario. Another consideration then is career development and how do you develop your career? 
as an individual and how as an organisation can you make it easier for people to develop their careers in this situation? So first, I'm going to talk about the individual and what the individual can do to to I suppose it's about taking personal responsibility for managing their career. So are there people in the organisation that they can connect with, that they can be mentored by, that they can have regular conversations with about their specific development areas? And I know certainly I've spoken about mentoring on, on the past with Catherine from Mentoring Resources. And she had some really great insights around that men- having mentoring programs. So a mentor doesn't have to be someone who directly manages you. And it's probably better if they're not someone maybe in a different department. It could be even in a different country who can support you in your career and trying to achieve your career goals. But bringing that focus back to that so that it's not just that someone is forgotten or that you're not in the office often enough that you don't get necessarily get that recognition or the praise or you don't feel like you're contributing to the team. From the organization's perspective, then it's about making sure that everyone feels included. So if someone is a remote, if someone is working in a hybrid model where they're remote and they're in the office at the same time, making sure that the the path in front of them is really, really clear. And I know certainly I've had a couple of different instances in my own corporate career where the path was very, very clear. And I've had another instance where the path was not clear, you could determine your own path. But for me as an individual, I found that quite difficult. So I think making a clear path in front of someone and saying, here are your different options. What area would you like to go in? Which would you like, you know, which which is your preference, which which area is your greatest strength and focus on developing that rather than just letting you know, leaving people to their own devices to try and manage and figure out their careers on their own. I think companies play a really crucial role in helping individuals to manage their careers as well. Another area for consideration around this is uh, is thinking about the team basis. So what kind of unit do you operate in as a team? And is that how you're going to manage this hybrid model? So do some people need to be in the office at some point throughout the entire week or does everyone need to be in there together and leaving it up to the individual managers in order to manage that? And I suppose the the difficulty here is then maybe managers don't know how to do that effectively. Maybe they're not empowered to have those sometimes difficult conversations around who is going to be working in the office on which days. Maybe then it's it's empowering individual employees to make those decisions. Like when is the best day for me to come into the office and to be able to get my work done and, and to be able to collaborate with the people that I need to collaborate with? And again, leaving it to that level can build up a sense of resentment if there is, you know, one team is getting to do one thing, another team is getting to do something else. So being able to manage those conversations at that level, I think, is really, really important as well. And it needs to be spoken about because oftentimes people might feel that sense of resentment, but they may not necessarily communicate it. And so the leaders think that everything is okay. And they they really need to just address the elephant in the room. If there is that situation, they need to address it. They need to talk about it and find out what's going on for people. Some of the pitfalls then that have come up in the research. Uh, the first one really is this question around whether it will last or not. Is this just a fad? Is this 
is this completely new way of working and that's it? Or is this something that's temporary and we have some sort of an end in sight? My own personal view is that this is a completely new way of working and there is no end in sight at the moment. Uh, you know, people are being brought back into the office and they're being told to, to go home. Uh, I know certainly here in Ireland, the numbers are starting to jump up again. So the guidelines around things like that, like things are constantly changing. And I think this this global pandemic has impacted us forever. And rather than seeing it as something negative, I see it as a huge opportunity to challenge how we've been working up to now. And I know certainly from an individual perspective, if not from an organisational perspective, that people are really thinking about what's important to them. They're spending an awful lot of time at work. They're realising that maybe they're not working to their strengths, their values are not aligned with the organisation. And so they're making alternative decisions for themselves. You know, you've heard about the great resignation. I've spoken about that on the podcast in the past as well. Another pitfall then is this idea of, you know, if you can hire people who work anywhere, then is there an opportunity to take advantage of cheap labour, for example, or to make roles redundant in favour of having contract roles. And therefore, the, there's this lack of security for people, a lack of, lack of job security for people. And I think from an organisational perspective, that's a very short term view. I think for me, if you can show that you are putting people first, you're putting people ahead of profit, then you're going to have the pick of the top talent. And ultimately, that's what people want. You want to have the best people working in your organisation. I've spoken earlier about this idea of wanting people in the office just to watch them work. So, you know, bringing people back into the office just so you can supervise them and watch them watching them work. I, I think, I mean, for me, it's just really a ridiculous thing to want to do. It's been shown that people can work remotely. It's been shown that productivity has increased during the pandemic. So I don't see a need to bring people back into the office just to be supervised while they work. I think if you don't have that trust in the people who work in your organisation, then I think you need to hire new people. I think that trust in an organisation is one of the most fundamental things that we need to have. We need to be able to trust the people that work with us and we need to be able to trust the leadership and the organisation as well. So as an individual speaking, you know, you need to have that psychological safety within the organisation. You need to feel like you you are trusted and you can trust them as well. Another watch out is this idea of hierarchies within an organisation. So when leaders are making decisions on behalf of everyone else, thinking that everyone else is like them and it will suit them. So if they're making decisions for everyone blanket to work from home, then maybe they're not taking into consideration the different situations that people find themselves in and maybe it's not really conducive to working from home. Um, I've realised that maybe I'm talking a lot about the, the homeworking versus the office uh, and there are some people who want to work in the office full time. I suppose what I'm trying to do is talk more about the flexible working and the hybrid approach that we can have to work that you don't necessarily have to be in the office full time. Another one of the pitfalls then is working in silos. So because we're working away from the office and we're not having those incidental conversations and there are studies to back this up as well, that 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 the we're losing some of the interconnectedness between departments. And so we go back into working in silos and we're not getting exposure to some of those other uh, departments or we're not getting that that incidental conversation that can happen. And 
Again, it's not about trying to fix that through bringing people back to the office or, or trying to recreate water cooler chat in the in the virtual world. It's more about thinking what are the outcomes that are coming from that and how as an individual organization, can we recreate that for our teams as well? Or even not as an individual organization, but as an individual person or as an individual team, how can we do that? I said at the very, very start as well that this needs to be an iterative and agile approach. It's not just like, let's just make this decision and then that's it for life. You can make a decision about what you want to do and you can test it. You can say, we're going to try this for 90 days and we're going to see how it works. And throughout that 90 days, you can ask people how it's going. You can ask for feedback, what needs to be improved, what needs to be changed, what did we forget to think about when we were thinking of this new policy? What did we completely forget? So I think really bringing people on that journey with you, bringing people into it, getting their feedback and really listening to what they have to say is the crucial part of making this remote and hybrid future of work a reality and making it really work well for you. In terms of wrapping up what I said today, so I, I started by talking about what I'm seeing out there. So the different scenarios being that, you know, a lot of people are looking to other companies to see what they're doing so they can copy what other companies are doing. But if everyone is doing that, then it's it's kind of like the, the blind leading the blind, as I mentioned. Everyone's looking for a framework to follow, but really what it is about is listening to your own employees, listening, finding out what's what's going on for them. Most companies haven't really thought about this strategically. They're not really 100% sure on, on what's going to happen. I spoke as well about the upsides and also the downsides of this new type of working model. I spoke then about some guidelines. I'm just going to summarise those guidelines now. I, I spoke about focusing on outcomes, outcomes being the why and the purpose of what it, what, why we're doing the work that we're doing and what is it that we're trying to achieve here. Then I spoke about collaboration and asynchronous communication. I also spoke about recognition. So how to recognise people in that remote working or hybrid world. I also spoke about the danger of presenteeism and career development as well. So helping people and empowering people to manage their own careers, both from the organisation's perspective and their responsibilities, as well as the individual's. I spoke about setting up those rules maybe on a team basis and what that might look like and the dangers around that as well. Empowering managers to have those conversations, but then having, you know, watching out, making sure that, that the resentment doesn't exist in the organisation. And I finished up the podcast talking about some of the pitfalls that you need to watch out for going into this new way of working. And I would love to know from the episode today, is there anything that really stands out to you? Do you have any additional questions based on what I said? Is there something that you are going to implement differently as a result of it? If we're not already connected on LinkedIn, absolutely head over to LinkedIn and connect with me there. I always love to hear from listeners, love getting feedback, I love getting the questions and just the interaction on the posts as well about these really, really important topics for work. So I would love to know what you thought of today's episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Happier at Work podcast. I'm delighted to have you here. If you enjoyed this podcast, I'd love if you could rate or review the podcast or share it with a friend. 
you'll find me on the website happieratwork.ie.